Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hearts of Iron. This is a podcast where I'm going to be talking about Hearts of Iron 4, the video game, and a lot of the historical context behind certain bits of it, national focuses, and some game strategies. So, yeah, let's get into this. So, where do we start this week? I think the first port of call is to say that Fern will not be joining us again because he did not respond to my messages all week. So, he won't be joining us. I want to talk about Revolution in the wake of the release of Play 4 La Resistance a couple weeks ago. So, um... Revolutions in war are usually a bad idea. I think most of us can agree on that. They're, they're just going to crack down you harder, right? But if they succeed, it will usually wind up with the home country leaving the war. Like, take for example, Russia. In World War One. They were fierce enemies of Germany, right? If, um, and there were fierce border conflicts, with, might, which, um, for example, the, also, the Battle of Oslo Fortress, um, the Eastern Offensive, the, there was a lot of um, border skirmishes, especially around Poland. And um, Vladimir Lenin was sent by German Imperial High Command to Russia in order to get them out of the war, which started the February Revolution and the ri- and saw the rise of the Bolsheviks. I think most people know about that in 1917. What most people don't know is that same year, or was it 1916? Either 1916 or 1917, Lawrence of Arabia, Thomas Edward Lawrence, was sent to the was sent to the Arabs in order to lead in order to lead the revolt against the Ottomans. This probably is a, most people would think this is not on par with the Russian Revolution, but it it very much was the same thing. It except it was being led by the Allies against the Axis. But put yourself in the mind of the Ottomans, right? To them, it's basically the same thing. You're leading a group that wants independence or recognition. And you're going to rise up to weaken the motherland, right? So, in the in the mind of the Ottomans, it's a, it's the same. It's basically the same thing. I, I'm not saying either one was good. I'm not saying which one. I if either one was good or bad, that's for you to decide. But it seems to me that the Arab revolt had a lot better footing than the Russian Revolution did. Um, but speaking of the Ottomans, this gets me back to something I didn't when I was playing a Hoi 4 game recently. So I'm playing as Turkey, right? I turn them fascist, I form a Turkic Empire. After I move a little bit into the Balkans, I take Bulgaria, Greece, Albania, and that lot. I decide, I think the next target should be French Syria. Only one small problem. It's French. My plan? Stage a coup. Where? There are jour. So. I'm waiting for the coup to stage. And I'm surrounding... The, I'm surrounding Derajor with like 10 divisions. It's not that much, but it's like... It's enough for an expeditionary force, right? So, then I... 
I st the coup launches, and I send the expeditionary force. I send, I send the expeditionary forces to help them out. French Syria is now independent. I invite. They sign a treaty. I invite them to my faction. I create a faction with them, and they're essentially my puppet state, right? Worked out great. It might not always work out great. It has to have the correct circumstances for it. It must always be backed up by a foreign power. It must always be propped up by a foreign power. That's a major criteria there. Because under most circumstances, then it just won't be able to propel itself forward. It won't be able to hold its own ground. What Lawrence did, he provided the Arabs with weapons, and he led them against the Ottomans. If you haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia, it's a really good movie. Um, he led them, he led them to um, Akbar, an Ottoman city on the Arabian coast, and and genius genius strategy there. I'm not going to go into the details though. You can go watch the movie for yourself because Spo it's a spoiler alert. But there are a lot of other revolutions in history that I think might often get overlooked. Oh crap! Spill my water. Um, and this is no news to anyone, but the American Revolution is one of the biggest, in my opinion, mostly because it was the first. Revolution against a major imperial power in the world. Okay, it directly led to the French Revolution and inspired many others afterward. Um, if the French Revolution never happened, Napoleon would never have rose to power. The Holy Roman Empire would never have fallen. Um. So there's a, there's a lot of things that could have went different if one thing has changed, you know. But um, what other revolutions are there? There is the um. Well, there was the Maccabean revolt. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. It's one and two Maccabees, obviously. But it it was real. It was an actual event in history. The Maccabean revolt was led by the Maccabees, Judah Maccabee, against the armies of Alexander the Great when they invaded Jerusalem. Um, then you have the sack of Jerusalem when the Romans basically burned the city and the temple down, and the Jews revolted, and they put them down even harder. There was the Battle of Shiroyama. Now it was a resistance. It was a resistance movement, a revolt against the Meiji Restoration, against restoring J Japanese imperial might. That's what Shiroyama started as, trying to maintain tradition and stop the empire from expanding. Stop the emperor from expanding. Maintain the shogunate. 
Um, the Boxer Rebellion, well, it's not much of a revolution. I'm not going to talk about the Boxer Rebellion now. Um, but... What else is there? I'm trying to think, what else is there? We are talking about the Russian Revolution. Is it the... No, these... No, the Baltic States... Yeah, the Baltic States separated from the Soviet Union in 1989, I think. That's kind of a revolution. There's... Very little talk about there, but one of the most notable things about it was that it was completely nonviolent. They, they basically just sang patriotic songs until they gained their independence. It, it It's the strangest thing, really. Look look up the uh, Estonian independence. It's really, really weird. But that was the beginning of the end for the USSR, I think. When the Baltic states left. Funnily enough, that's one of your first objectives in Hoi 4 is, if you're playing Soviet, is to retake the Baltic states. But they're also going to be the first ones to leave. Funnily enough. Speaking of the Soviet Union, that same year, I believe that's when the Warsaw Pact was dissolved as well. Several countries left the Warsaw Pact all at once, and then it was officially dissolved by Gorbachev. So, that's the beginning of the end for the Soviets right there. I think it could have lasted longer if the Berlin Wall fell sooner. Because Germany's reunited, that, that way the Russians can concentrate more of their efforts on trying to keep the rest of the Warsaw Pact together. So if the Warsaw, if the Berlin Wall fell sooner, it probably could have lasted longer. Um, during World War Two, this is another thing you do in Hoi Four. There were several. Finnish revolts when the Soviets occupied their territory, Karjala and Savo, which you do that in Hoi 4 as well. Um, there were several Finnish um, resistance movements, several Finnish revolts, and if you've heard of the Sabaton song Uprising, which I'll play in a moment, that's about a Polish revolt against the Germans in World War Two. So, a lot of stuff to cover in World War II. Poland is one of the most fascinating places, in my opinion, because they're one of the most put-down societies on Earth. But between 1781, I think, and 1919, there was no Polish state. For the entirety of the 19th century... There was no Polish state, and it did not exist until the Treaty of Versailles formed it out of broken, out of bits broken off from both Germany and Russia after World War One. And even then, it was still broiled in war of all of, of trying to be conquered from all sides. There is no intermediary period between 
the fall of the Poles Lithuanian Commonwealth and the rise of the Republic of Poland after World War One. It it just didn't exist for the whole nineteenth century. Um Yeah. I jokingly call Poland the daughterland because it's between the fatherland, Germany, and the motherland, Russia. But, you know, it could be Ukraine, too. Um, Poland has one of the most geographically unlucky, is one of the most geographically unlucky places on Earth. They are smack dab in the middle of Europe. Just all plains and wetlands. There's nothing separating them from all their enemies. But it's one of the most contested places in the world. That's got to be one of the most unlucky spots. No wonder they've kept their religion for so long. They have to... No, no, they've been Catholic, they've been Catholic for so long because they have to hold on to that faith in order to survive because they're going to go insane. They're going to go insane if they have to keep fighting on like this. So that's why they hold so steadfast to their belief in God. But, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something I went on a tangent. Um, I'll play Uprising for you right here. Give me a second. That was the rallying cry of the Polish Revolt. Wladyshaw Revolt means Warsaw Rise or Warsaw Fight in some contexts. But I want to pan over to another revolution for a second. It was something that's probably often overlooked in history. It was the Philippine Revolt against the Americans, of all things. Because after the United States fought like for four months against the Spanish in Cuba, in Guam, and of course in the Philippines, they, the Spanish just surrendered and gave the United States everything they wanted. The United States released Cuba, albeit with a pup, with a, with an American loyal puppet government. We annexed Puerto Rico. We annexed Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. Annexed a bunch of other islands too. I'm not going to mention. And we annexed the Philippines. Now, we only fought the Spanish for four months. We fought the Filipinos for four years. The Filipino revolt was way costlier, and in both in terms of both money, m m ammunitions, and men, than all four months of the Spanish American War. And interesting, interesting thing to note: William William Howard Taft what president and Supreme Court Chief Justice was military governor of the Philippines for quite a while. He has one of the most impressive resumes I've ever seen, but I'm getting off track. The Filipino Revolt was certainly unjustly put down in some circumstances. I, I don't think we can all... I think we can all agree there. But... You have to understand, because you have to understand the Filipinos' grievances. 
United States promised them their freedom from Spain. That's why they they supported the Americans. The United States give, didn't give them their freedom. They annexed them and put a military governor in, pla in place there. Um, like I said, we fought them for four years. After that whole thing was said and done, we held on to them for a little longer, and eventually, we installed a public government there too. We we let the Filipinos go after the war. After World War Two, and um, but we didn't let the Cubans go until Castro's revolt in the fifties. Cuba was an American puppet even after World War Two. The United States kept control over all these places for a very long time. This was part of the what was it called? It was called the it was the Roosevelt something, the Roosevelt Addendum, I forget what it was. Basically Roosevelt added on to the Monroe Doctrine saying it's our job to play big brother to the other nations in this hemisphere, right? Instead of just saying, instead of just saying, like, you stay to your hemisphere, we'll stay to ours, to the Europeans, like what the old Monroe Doctrine did. Eventually, this led to the big brother policy and the conservative Republican William Howard Taft's approach of dollar diplomacy. Which led to greater cooperation between the United States and the nations of Latin America. Which is why in Hearts of Iron, you start off with the United States guaranteeing every single country in the Western Hemisphere. And I mean every single country. They're also very boring to play for the first few years. Unless you can get them to another ideology, they're pretty boring to play. So, but the, um... Speaking of your um, United American puppet puppet governments, from the middle of the fifties and until the late nineties, Guatemala was ruled by a series of U.S.-backed dictators. Well, again, other countries becoming our puppet states. <laughs> um, what else is there? There's the um. Well, I want to say this first off. I don't think the Vietnam War counts as a revolution. But I want to talk about this one because I find it interesting. There were two Vietnam Wars. Uh, the communists tried to take to take hold twice in Vietnam. One in the mid-50s, when it was still under French Indochina. Which eventually led to French Indochina splitting into Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. And there was the Vietnam War, we all know. But there were two of them. We, we, you don't you have to forget that. There were two of them. And extremely shortly after World War II. Like, not even ten years. Just about ten years. We had the Korean War. Right? It, it, it was... Many people thought it was just an extension of World War II because most people didn't believe it, it, 
Most people didn't believe we had already gone to war again. And it's still going on. World War II is still... Um, if you believe that the Korean War is actually just part, another part of World War II, then World War II is still going on to you. Because the Korean War is still going on. They, they've never signed an official peace treaty or armistice. They've only signed a ceasefire. And that's why we have the demilitarized zone and the Panmunjom Embassy. Um, but yeah, whether Vietnam or Korea are revolutions is debatable. I'll leave it up to you. I'll leave it up to the list to you, the listener. But there, there are also a couple British Indian revolutions. You know, there's the first one which turned British India into the British Raj and made them a puppet state. Give them greater autonomy and greater independence, but not quite independent yet. And there was the legal revolution, which was led by Gandhi and Muhammad al-Jinnah, which eventually led to British independence. They, to uh, Indian independence, my bad. However, that was not a bloody revolt. That was a legal revolt. That was a legal independence. But interesting nonetheless. British Raj is one of the more underrated countries to play in Hoi for, in my opinion. Because you have a front with both the Chinese and the Japanese. So if you wanted to, it's pretty easy to just invade both. They're not expecting the British to come up from the east, are they? Come from the west, my bad. I mean, so... Surprise attack strategy, right? And there are some more recent revolts. You have the Syrian Civil War. You have the Arab Spring. If you want to consider the Yellow Vest Protest one, there's, the, there's that. The French Yellow Vest Protest... Or another interesting thing. But. Oh the Syrian Civil War. I. That's another touchy subject. Just cause it's still not over. As of the recording of this episode. The Syrian Civil War has not officially ended. ISIS is gone. But there are several other sides. Including the Kurds. And the Syrian Republican Army. I think that's what I think that's one of the sides, yeah, that haven't seated. So, it's ongoing. The Syrian civil war is still going on as of the recording of this episode. Bashar al-Assad has still not given up, and he's still committing chemical weapons attacks on civilians, which is a war crime. There was a Palestinian. While we're in the Middle East, there was the Palestinian revolt against the British, which made the British capitulate and create a two-state system in of both Palestine and Israel, the effects of which we're still seeing today. Doesn't relate to Holy Four at all, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, the Palestinian revolt is something. <laughs> Alright, 
Well, I guess that wraps it up for that, for this episode. I'm out of stuff to talk about, really. Hopefully, we'll get firm on. But it's probably not going to happen. I'll keep messaging him. If we can get firm on, I'll update you guys on my Instagram. But with that, I'll see you off. I'll talk to you next week. Remember, your homework is to watch Lawrence of Arabia and Inglorious Bastards. They're, they are both on Crackle and on Netflix, respectively. See you later, guys.